Holy God, open our minds and our hearts and our wills that we may know your gospel to be the truth and with joy fulfill it through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. It is always a privilege to preach, but today I feel an onerous responsibility on this very special day when Father Michael will be instituted as our rector. We are 50 years old this year, and we're building on firm foundations into the future, and it's an exciting time for St. Wilfred's. As I read the lessons for today, I thought they were particularly appropriate for this occasion. The Old Testament lesson and the Gospel are about prophets. And Michael has been called a long time ago into the ministry of God and to be a prophet. And today we institute him as our rector to be a prophet for us. Now I understand that in some traditions there is the office of being a prophet. Now, that's not true in the Episcopal Church. In the Episcopal Church, we are all baptized into the body of Christ, made members of that body, and through our confirmation, have been made ministers of that gospel. So, friends, you and I are in the same boat with this guy. We are all called into the ministry of prophecy. We might indeed note that in our Old Testament, those who were called to be a prophet uh, were not always sure that they were hearing the call correctly, and they had a little tete-a-tete with God about that. (laughs) Um, I wonder, you know, how we feel at times. This week I was sent a YouTube message about a legislator discussing the health care programs that are before our Congress. Now, let me tell you, I don't have the answer to the health care. However, this legislator said, I remind you all that 85% of the nation already has some kind of health care program going. This is only 15% left. The implication was... What? Now, who is the God that you and I know and believe in? Is the God that you and I know more concerned about the 85% and not concerned about 15%? And if we're part of the 85%, then we're not concerned about the 15%? That's not the God we know, is it? The God that we know is concerned about 100% of his children. Somebody at the 7 o'clock, 7.30 congregation reminded me of how many sheep did Jesus leave behind to go and get? One. Just as concerned about that one as he was about the 99? Yeah. That's the God you and I know. And when somebody raises up another vision of God... We are called to prophesy. We are called to be the prophets of God and to declare, no, that is not the God that we know. 
The word of the Lord came to me, Jeremiah, it said, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you, I appointed you a prophet of the nations. Now read that with your name. The word of the Lord came to, insert your name, saying, I appointed you a prophet. And then I said, O Lord God, truly I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. Now insert your excuse. I'm too timid to speak. I don't know what to say. I'm afraid of what others will think about me. I'm not sure I'm right. I'll lose my job, my position, my promotion. I'll be laughed at. Those are all my excuses. When I respond, you know, not me. What are your excuses when it comes to stand up for the word of God? Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. A prophet is not an individual person, an independent person. A prophet works with God to build the kingdom of God. We are not outside of God's care. We are not outside of God's power when we function as a prophet. We are a co-worker, a co-creator with our God. It's an, uh, an awesome responsibility for Mike, for Michael, and for all of us to listen to God before we speak. We have a commitment from God to help us with what we say. Do you remember that story of Jesus? When you're hauled before the kings and rulers of this world, do not worry about what you have to say, for the Spirit will give you the words. What a promise. What a promise to each one of us. Jesus was at the synagogue, and they were all so happy with him when they say, today this is fulfilled within your sight. Oh, wonderful. Then Jesus reminded them of the action of two prophets. Elijah, the heavens had been shut up. They'd had a drought for three, three and a half years. Did he go to a widow within the faith community there? No. Elisha, when he cured the lepers, there were plenty of lepers in Israel. Did he go to them? No, he went to those other people. God did something surprising in their sight. And the congregation within the faith community was upset with him because it didn't fit in with where they were in their heads at that point. Sometimes God's message will be a surprise. And you and I will be called upon to proclaim that. Prophets are not 
usually called upon to speak the obvious. We're called upon oh, we're called upon to hear to see and hear what God is doing in his world today. Now Jesus said I'm going to Jerusalem to fill the, fulfill the role of the prophets. And you know what happened to Jesus in Jerusalem, right? So I don't see you jumping to step right up to do this job. It takes faith. It takes hope. And in 1 Corinthians it says it takes love. That is the mission. We do not speak God's truth without God's love. God's love for us and God's love for the whole world. It is an awesome ministry. The church is anointed by the Holy Spirit to be the prophetic voice in our families, our neighborhoods, our nation, and in the world. We certainly know that the world needs the message. If we had projectors here to project up on these walls, I would show you some great pictures of a polar bear and a husky dog. I got this message again on the computer. This man was out taking care of his huskies, and all of a sudden, right there, appeared a polar bear. Can you imagine his heart going? My dogs are doomed, right? This polar bear played with the husky dog. It shows them romping around together, holding each other, and the polar bear came back for almost a week every evening to do that. At the end of the set of pictures, it said, if the polar bear and the husky can get along, why can't we? It's God's truth, isn't it? It's what we are supposed to be proclaiming. And not only with words, but through our lives, showing in our very actions the power of love, the strength of love, to convert, to heal, and to sustain. This you and I are called to live out. I don't spend all my time at the computer, but another email I got (laughs) was the wonderful story of a man, a father and his daughter being in their car at a traffic light, stopped, and the daughter looks to the left, and there is a nice, shining Mercedes-Benz. And over here is a homeless person asking for some help. And the daughter said to the father, if that guy would only give some of his money to this guy, they'd both be okay. True, of course. But it didn't stop there. They got home, and they talked to the mother and the brother. And the daughter suggested that they sell their house. They lived in an enormous house. 
Now the brother was outvoted by the other three, and they sold the house. They gave half the money to a program in Ghana and bought a smaller house with the other half. And the father said, In that large house, we lived independently. We were seldom together. We each had our spaces. In our new home, we are living and doing things together. We have become a closer-knit family. A radical act of love and generosity, which not only helped the people of Ghana, but it helped that family to be together and to live. As prophets, we must live our message before we speak it. We must be the message in order to deliver it. What is God asking you to say at home, at work, at school? What is God asking you to be in all of those places? I'd like to end the sermon today the way Allison did last Sunday by taking a few moments of quiet to reflect on the call of God to you to be God's prophet where you are. (coughs) Let's just have a moment of silence together as we listen to God. <clears throat>